I want to welcome everybody watching online, and also all, I want to welcome our um, viewers from the Baldwin County Jail. Thank you for watching with us today. Love you. You can tell we love you. Thank you for watching. Some of you may not know, but we weren't here this past week. We Last uh, two weeks, we were out of town visiting my middle daughter and her husband uh, up in uh, Virginia Beach area. With us, them and their church last Sunday, got to be where you are. I always appreciate and enjoy those moments where I get to sit and not have to, you know, be up front, but I get to enjoy and see what you get to experience and take notes and all that. It was a lot of fun. I walked in this morning and uh, and uh, the door greeters met me and I said, "Hey, I heard you're looking for a preacher around here," and. Uh, they said, no, that's all right. We already got one. That's right. <laughs> so I felt the love. I felt it right, I mean, from the front door. So we are glad to be back. Hey, listen, you may not know this, but one of the great things that we do around here, uh, of course, we have so many ways that we reach out and make impact in our community. But one of the ways we do that is every time this year rolls around, we uh, put together boxes we call them Operation Christmas Child Boxes, and, and you might have seen them on the way in, in the lobby, and there's just the green little boxes that we put together, and we put a lot of gifts inside there, and then uh, we send them through the world, and uh, to children that do not have any means of having any kind of Christmas, and put in it as well, we uh, have the opportunity to share the gospel. I just want to introduce that to you, and um, maybe let's go ahead and show you a little video, a little bit about Operation Christmas Child, and then we'll jump into the word this morning. This is for a boy between 9 and 11. I'm in a place called Katakosh, just outside of Mosul. This is a, a church that was completely destroyed uh, by ISIS. As we were coming through, one of our team uh, discovered one of the Operation Christmas Child shoe boxes. I don't know who gave it, who sent it but uh, it touched the life of a child at one point. And of course we ask people when they pack a box to always pray. You never know where that box will go. Where are the lost? Where are the hardest to get to people groups? Where has the gospel of Jesus not been preached and proclaimed? In Acts 13, 47, for so the Lord has commanded us saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. We live in a broken world, an evil world. Yet Jesus gave us orders. He said, go into the world and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have a job to do. When we talk about going to the ends of the earth, we're talking about shoebox gifts that are taking the gospel to the hardest to reach areas of the world. If you want to bring hope to a broken society, it's the gospel. And Operation Christmas Child is not about passing out toys, it's about the gospel. Each kid, when they receive that box, they're gonna hear the presentation of the gospel clearly. They make a decision for Christ, and then they're trained and equipped to go out and share their faith with others. And many times in areas where it's an unreached people group, the Bible tells us the time is now. We're in the South Pacific. I want to reach these islands for Christ. These are poor areas. People don't have any hope. People don't come here. There's no tourists here, but we're going to be here. I'm right outside of Mazlan, Mexico, about six hour drive up in the mountains with Operation Christmas Child. 
This is where people that are brave are taking Operation Christmas Child to the ends of the earth. We need boxes that are packed by families, by churches and groups, but we also need boxes that are packed online. When you build a shoebox online, these are the boxes that give us access into hard-to-reach places of the world. We go at great lengths, great effort, to take these boxes to children in the most remote parts of the world. It's an incredible journey. You know, the mission of Operation Christmas Child never changes. Children are coming to Jesus. Children are coming to faith. Children are being discipled. And children are taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. All right. Well, that's Operation Christmas Child. So we have a goal of sending 1,000 boxes to the world this year. I believe that should be easily met. And uh, it would be great if we could just do it all today and get that done. And uh, you have a few weeks to get your boxes back to us. So you'll, you can go pick them up on the way out. And uh, we, we don't even have to leave the comforts of our own home to touch somebody in another part of the world. What a great blessing that'll be. Jesus said, suffer not the little children to come unto me. And so we're going to do that. So my wife and I enjoy having it. We go and shop for our our little kids, you know, and, and uh, my problem is I always have too much and there's the box is not big enough, you know what I'm saying? And uh, so, so I always have to uh, figure that out and, and uh, sit on it before I can close it. But anyway, we have, we have a wonderful time doing that ourselves. Well, I don't know if you heard about the two older men. They were in the living room chatting while their wives were in the kitchen preparing dinner. The older fellow turned to the other guy and says, I'll tell you what, my wife and I went to this most incredible restaurant this past week. You ought to go sometime. He goes, oh, really? Well, what was the name of it? And he looked at him and he said, um, uh, he said, what's the name of that flower, you know, with the stem, with the, with the thorns on it? He goes, a rose? He goes, yeah, yeah. Hey, Rose, what's the name of that restaurant that we went to last week? <laughs> Oh, man. Well, hey, listen, we've been in a series recently called Character, and um, we've uh, really been enjoying just kind of taking different people in the, in the Bible and just kind of looking at their lives under a microscope and picking out some truths that we can apply to our lives today. And, and uh, so uh, Pastor Kim did a great job last week with Gideon, and we've had, uh, you know, teachings now about Abraham, about Paul, and about um, Leah, and, and about Ruth. Uh, two weeks ago, we talked about Ruth, and I, I didn't quite get done with that, and uh, so I want to go back to talk about Ruth this morning, and um, actually we'll be in the book by her name called Ruth by, uh, imagine that. And so what I want to give you this morning are some truths of how to make a right or a good decision in a wrong world. Now, we, Melissa and I, we were up, like I mentioned, on the East Coast just this past two weeks, and we happened to, we just kind of basically took a tour up through uh, D.C. and up to Philadelphia, and I mean, we spent some time praying uh, there at the Supreme Court building. Um, we just, just sought the Lord there, praying for, um, for the judges there. We, we prayed over, you know, the Capitol. We, we prayed... Um, uh, we went up to Philadelphia and we prayed over uh, our country again. I said, Melissa, can we, can we pray? You know, we were standing in front of Independence, uh, Independence Hall. Was it Independence Hall? I think it's called. And uh, we're standing in front of that. And I said, we just need to pray, for, you know, for our country. My wife said, like, haven't we prayed enough for our country? 
I said, I don't think we can do it enough. And, and so we, we just seek in the Lord and, and just reminded, you know, of how, really how important making a right decision is and how it affects so many people, not just yourself in so many ways. And so uh, we're going to talk about that. Let me just review the first three points. So we actually have nine. We'll just review three and then we'll jump into six if we get it that far. I think we can do that this morning. We, we have to about four o'clock, they said, this afternoon. So thank God. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, number one, how to make a good decision in the wrong world. You got to be willing to leave everything behind. One of the greatest passages in the Bible of commitment was spoken by Ruth to Naomi when Naomi is encouraging her to go back home as, Naomi, as Naomi's making her track back to Bethlehem where she was originally from. Ruth's going to follow her. Ruth and Moabite lady who had married into the family. And Naomi said, no, you need to go back to be with your family. And, they, and Ruth said, no way. I'm going to follow you. And I don't care where you go. And in this incredible passage, she says, your people are going to be my people. Your God's going to be my God. And where you die, I'll die. Where you're buried, I'm going to be buried. May the Lord deal with me severely. If anything separates you from me. And so if we're going to make good decisions in a wrong world, first of all, we, we have to surrender completely unto the Lord and say, God, it's your will, not my will, right? Come on, somebody say amen to that. It's going to be your will, not my will from this point on. That's what giving your life to Jesus really is all about. Surrender, total surrender. You don't call the shots anymore. You don't get that right. But actually, you give that right over to somebody else who knows the right shots to call. And so it's called total surrender. You got to leave it all behind. Number two, we talked about how we need to remind ourselves that God is leading us every step of the way. Remember, we talked about verse three of chapter two. It says, as it turned out, she was in a field belonging to Boaz. She was reaping in a field. She thought, you know, randomly, but no, she'd stumbled into God's plan for her life. And so we have to remember, remember that when we're in a tight spot or in a bad spot, if we surrendered ourselves to the Lord, that God is leading our footsteps and we're gonna find ourselves in the right spot even if we don't think it's the right spot at the time. Number three, we talked about, um, well, let me just say this about, about that. I was, um, I was talking with, um, uh, we were, I was talking to an individual who oversees uh, a, a university up on the East Coast, and he, he made this statement, I wrote it down. He said, you know, I've stumbled into my future many times. And he said, and I thought this was so fascinating. He said, what I've found that in my life is, that I found my purpose through the spirit of jealousy operating in my life. I'm like, what? That didn't even make sense. What do you mean by that? He says, you know, many people think of jealousy as a bad thing, but he says, I've found that jealousy many times can be a good thing because I would see somebody and I would be looking at their life and I'd be like jealous that of what they're experiencing, a really good father. And I'm like jealous of that experience. I'm like, I wanna, I wanna be that guy, you know, or jealous of a, of a good parent and watching somebody have some really great parenting skills and, and go, man, I, I wanna be kind, that kind of a parent or watching someone, you know, really treat their spouse really great. Or th- just these kind of skills. And so when you're jealous of something, many times that's the spirit of the Lord inside of you going, hey, that's probably what you should be like. Come on, somebody. how many have ever had a spirit of jealousy? Come on. 
I've had jealousy. Of course, it's the wrong kind of jealousy. You want somebody else's car or whatever. That's not what I'm talking I'm talking about the good stuff in life. And many times you'll find God leading you by some jealousy that you have. I was asking an individual, you know, about that. And he said, that's exactly right. He says, life is like a highway. And there's billboards to come from time to time. And you see God's plan for your life as, you know, you see the build. God gives you like a billboard, gives you a person, gives you a verse, gives you, gives you a, um, an, an idea or gives you a, a relationship and, and it kind of moves you down the road. And so God is leading us. I'm encouraged by that. And that we're just not randomly living our life, you know, trying to figure it all out. But actually God is leading us and he'll give you a billboard in time. When you stop seeing billboards and it's been a long, long time, you need to stop and maybe go back because you might have taken a bad road. Number three, we talked about how it's important to stay where he leads you. That, that she reaped in this one field. She didn't go skipping from field to field, but she stayed right there and, and how important it is to commit to one field. And if you're here visiting with us, we're glad you're here visiting with us. And, and our prayer would be, hopefully you, you think that we're, we're nice enough for, that you would call us family at some point. But if you don't, and there's, there's another church for you, but what we do encourage you is to get involved in a church and get planted. Whether it's here, at least find some place and get planted. If you watch it online, those in the, in the jail, you, when you get out, you need to plant yourself in a church. You need to find a family that you call your people, your family, your home. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 17 has said it like this. They will, talking about people that plant themselves, talking about you, they will be like a tree planted by the water. How many know you gotta put some roots down if you're gonna be planted, right? We can't be like flying trees. We got, we got to plant ourselves. You get roots of God to go down. You will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream and it does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. If you will plant yourself, your leaves will always be green. It has no worries in a year of drought and it never fails to bear fruit. All that happens because you decided these people are going to be my people. Their God's going to be my God and their ways are going to be my ways. I'm going to plant myself, I'm going to get involved, I'm going to serve, and I'm going to find God's purpose for my life by doing that. Can you say amen to that this morning? I believe that. I believe that. Well, let's go on. Now let's move into some new territory. Number four, well, which is how to make a right decision in a wrong world. It, it's important, looking at the life of Ruth, that we find a mentor, that we find a mentor. Ruth had this incredible, great quality about her as you read back over her life, that she was able to recognize the hand of God operating in Naomi's life. Now, Naomi was, had become bitter over time, but still, she recognized God's hand upon her, even though there were some negative things going on in Naomi's life, even though there were some weaknesses. And everyone needs, I believe, someone in your life. Now, now listen, my name is JP, and, and I'm your friend. So you need to listen to me carefully. Everybody in this room needs somebody in your life who can tell you the way it is. Yeah. 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 Now, I, didn't, I don't mean that you, you may necessarily like it, but you're open to it. You're open to someone speaking into your life. Naomi turns to Ruth. Naomi turns to the younger lady, Ruth, who who is allowing Naomi to be her mentor. And she says, Naomi says to her in chapter three, verse three, wash, put on some perfume, 
get dressed in your best clothes, go down to the threshing floor. In other words, she's saying, sweetheart, you need to clean yourself up. Do you have anybody in your life who can tell you to clean yourself up? Without you getting offended, without you sulking, without you, you know, slamming the door, walking out, somebody you know that loves you and means the best for you that you've allowed to speak into your life who has the right to say to you, clean yourself up, quit pouting, get up off the bed, get off the couch, get back into the game. Come on, you got a job to do. Do you need it? Does anybody have somebody like that? You need somebody like that. And then that's what, let me give you an unselfish plug about small groups. That's why we value small groups here. Because many people find their mentors or people that speak into their life in small groups. If you don't get around anybody that's got some good stuff in them, you'll never find a mentor. No one will ever speak into your life. And that's a very bad place to be because now you are walking into a place where you can be deceived and you'll never know you're deceived because nobody that's deceived ever knows they're deceived. When have you ever met a person that's deceived and go, they said to you, man, you know what? I think I'm just deceived. No one ever says that. That has to be pointed out to you. I was watching a football game the other night. Tampa Bay was playing the Eagles. And they were telling a story about the Tampa Bay running back, very good running back. But there was a, a little season where he wasn't good. And uh, he had always been the star running back his whole life. Always the starter, always the guy, the go-to guy. Well, he came to the game, that particular game, and found that he wasn't starting. He was sitting on the bench. The guy underneath him was starting. And this running back said to himself, that's not right. And he went and sat on the bench and pouted like a little kid. He's getting big bucks. He's sitting on the bench pouting. The coach went over to him during the game and said to him, son, you can sit here on this bench and pout all you want, but this game is not about you. It's about us. And when you get us in your head and you want to buy into that, then maybe you'll get a chance to play. If that's not something you want and you want it to be about you, there's lots of other teams that may be entertaining the thought of having you as a running back, but you won't have a place here. And he said, I had to do a little self-evaluation and I needed to get my head back on straight. And I decided at that point, I was gonna stand on the sidelines and I sit on the bench and I was gonna cheer my team on whether, whether I played or I didn't play. I'm gonna know you need somebody like that coach that gets in your face and go, you know what? You need to quit sulking. You need to quit feeling sorry for yourself and you need to get up and you need to play the ball, play the game. You need to do something. And so you need to invite those relationships. People are not gonna just walk up to you and go, hey, can I just tell you to clean it up and wash it up? And you know, people don't do that. You have to invite them into your life. I was talking with, uh, while we were uh, away, I was ran into a, a very successful businessman. A very, very successful. And I asked him, I said, tell me one of the reasons why you think you're so successful. And he said, because I have two men in my life who speak into my life. One is an older man, he's a pastor, and a second is an older man, and he's a very successful businessman. 
and has made much, much money in his life. And he said, these two I have given the privilege and trust them enough to speak into my life and tell me what I need to say or need to know and what I need to do. He said, if it had not been for them, I would not be where I'm at today. Could it be that perhaps you're stuck in a situation because you're too proud or insecure to let someone speak into your life? You think when someone speaks into your life, they reject you, they're mad at you, and you take it personal. When actually, just the very fact that they're risking their friendship to begin with by speaking into your life means that they love you and they want the best for you. How many of us have walked out of the room, slammed the door behind us because we just got offended because of someone that told us something that was actually true and later you come to realize it was true? You need a mentor in your life. Somebody said wisdom is this. Wisdom is not learning from your own mistakes, but wisdom is learning from someone else's mistakes. That's the best kind of wisdom you can get. So if someone's been down the block and down the road a while, let them speak into your life so you don't have to make the same mistake. You need a mentor in your life. You need somebody that you can trust. Somebody that will tell you just exactly the way it is because everything flows out of trust. Do you have someone that you can trust? Hewlett Packard, you may be familiar with that business. I think it was Hewlett of the two individuals, Hewlett and Packard, it was Hewlett that was, it went to a, um, uh, down to the basement, and he was in the basement, and, and it, while he was there, he noticed some cages that were locked up. And uh, he said, well, what's these cages, and what's all these locks on these cages about? And they said, well, um, these are simply um, individuals of different um, uh, parts of our company um, that, keeping their stuff here so no one steals from them. He says, what? We have cages with locks on them because we don't trust our other employees of the company? They said, well, you know, yeah, I guess. He goes, well, that's wrong. Give me some wire lock cutters. And he cut all the locks off. He opened the doors. He goes, we will not be a company that doesn't trust one another. If we don't trust one another, we're not going to build cages to protect our stuff. We're going to find out who it is we can't trust and we'll deal with that. But we will be a people that trust one another. And that's the beauty of the body of Christ. It's the beauty of the church is that we get to be a part of a group of people that literally trust each other then you begin to watch each other for a period of time and see, I, I, that guy's got it together. That person is the real deal. They're not plastic. They're not fake. They're not, they're not uh, uh, you know, somebody that's, who they, they're not, they, they don't say they are. I, I, can, I can follow this person. I can, I can walk after the, their advice. And, and that's the beauty. Do you have a mentor in your life? Number five, it's important that we make contentment a lifestyle. Contentment, are you, are you a content person? Are you, someone said to the, the millionaire, when is enough money enough money? When have you made enough money? He said, after the next dollar. There's never enough. I can never have enough, he said. But look at this, Ruth chapter two, verse 13. She said, oh, sir, such grace and kindness you give me. I don't deserve it. You touched my heart, treated me like one of your own, and I don't even belong here. 
I'm not even from this country. I'm not even from this nation. But you've opened up your field. You've opened up your heart. You've opened up your kindness to me. And I, I just want you to know I, I'm just grateful to be here in your field. I'm just grateful to be hanging around you and your employees and your harvesters. I, I just want you to know I'm, I'm just content. I'm just happy. I'm just sitting here just glad to be a part of the conversation. Are you content? Or have you lost your contentment? Maybe you were content at one time, but... But now you're uncontent, you're discontented. What, what's causing that? Paul said it like this in Philippians chapter four, verse 11. He says, I have learned to be content. Did you know that you have to learn to be content? There's not a, anybody in this room that was born content. You, you didn't have the DNA in you to be content. Content is something you have to learn. You learn to be content. You learn to be thankful that you survived the last storm. You learn to be content that you're just, and happy with the friends that you have and the finances that you have and the house that you have and the car that you have and the health that you have and the spouse that you have and kids that you have. Are, are you content with what you have? Oh, I know I'm, I'm preaching good. It's okay. Don't, don't, don't shout me down. Don't shout me down. I, I know it's rough, but let me tell you, you have to learn to be content and just to be excited. I, I, I was, was listening to someone talking and uh, it was a, it was a, it was a, <laughs> it was a two, one, one guy was a successful musician and the other guy was a wannabe musician and they're both talking back and forth. And the, the wannabe musician says to the successful musician, he says, what do you want to, what do you be, what do you want to do in your life? What do you, what do you, what's your vision? And he said to him, I'm living my vision. I'm enjoying where I'm at now. And he said, in fact, I was enjoying where I'm at now when I didn't have where I was at now, where I was where you were at. I was just enjoying being the guy that played on the street corners. I was just enjoying enjoy playing my guitar in, in, you know, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the coffee shops. I, I was just content there, and now I'm content here. I've just learned wherever I am, whatever state I'm in, I'm going to be content. It's a choice you make. Where are you at on your contentment radar? Where are you at? You've got to be happy right where you're at. Number six moving through this really quickly because I have a reason. Number six, we have, to, we have to look for favor. Look for favor. Ruth found favor upon her life. She said in verse 10, chapter two, she said, to, she said this, at this, she bowed down with her face to the ground and she asked Boaz, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Verse 15 and 16, I love it in the Message Bible. When she got back up to work, Boaz ordered his servants, let her glean where there's still plenty of grain on the ground, and get this, make it easy for her. Do you know God wants to make it easy for you? God's not trying to make it hard. Boaz is the example of Jesus here in the field. And he says, go, go make it easy for her. Better yet, pull some of the good stuff out and leave it for her to glean. Give her some special treatment. God has given you special treatment. It's called favor. And God's decisions will always lead you into a place of blessing. 
And Ruth wasn't simply empty-handed when she came back to Naomi, as we talked about two weeks ago. She came back with bundles and bundles of, of, of food and supplies. She was experiencing the favor of God for the first time. She'd lived in Moab for her whole life. She'd never experienced favor or the hand of God or the blessing of God upon her life. But now she's getting favor and no idea where this favor is even coming from. Why do I even deserve such a favor from you, Boaz? She's getting things given to her that she didn't even work to get. Boaz says, "Go, guys, I know she didn't plant it. I know she didn't pull the weeds. I know that she didn't water it, but that's okay. Go ahead and give her some anyway. It's the favor of God. In fact, I like what the King James Version says, verse 15, and when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and reproach her not and let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her. Everybody say handfuls of purpose. When she arrived at the field, let me say it like this, when she arrived at the church, handfuls of purpose began to come her way. It wasn't obvious to others, but to her, she was starting to walk in the favor and the purposes of her God. In fact, what was given to her through just picking up what they were, they, they were harvesting the, the barley. They were harvesting the barley and also the wheat at other times. And they were harvesting, and then the guys would just kind of like take a big st- couple stalks and throw it out there, handfuls on purpose, and look back and give her a good old wink, you know, and just keep on harvesting, harvesting, take a big old bunch of wheat or barley and give her a wink, you know. And, and she, she's like, What's going on? I, I, this isn't just little stuff. This is, this is big stuff, big, big bundles of blessings from the law. She didn't realize that she was, get, she was getting breadcrumbs on purpose. She, she's just serving with her heart all in the house of God. And God is just giving her provisions and leading her into her purpose. What was her purpose? Her purpose was something bigger than even just the handfuls. Her purpose would go beyond that because... Boaz, as I mentioned, means Jesus, and the eyes of Jesus was watching her the whole time. The eyes of Jesus are watching you. When you're in your field, and when you're just going about the stuff, and you're serving people, and you're loving people, and you're encouraging people, and you're worshiping the Lord, and you're just in, in the groove of just serving the Lord, guess what? The eyes of Boaz, the eyes of Jesus are upon you, and he's going to make certain that you were encouraged enough. Uh, from time to time, he'll give you a little handfuls of purpose here, handfuls a purpose there. You pick him up and you go, oh my goodness, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. And he brings you through, and he brings you through, and he brings you through, and he brings you through. Which brings me to number seven. You got to keep your character at all costs. Boaz replied, chapter two, verse 11, I've been told, she goes, why, why, why do I deserve this favor? He goes, listen, I've been told all about you and what you've done for your mother-in-law. How you left your father and mother, your homeland, came to live with the people you didn't even know. Can I just say it like this? Character attracts character. People of nobility see nobility when they see nobility. Stand for what is right. Character, integrity, not what's popular. 
you don't cheat just to get ahead. You, you, you keep your word even if it costs you money. You confront your friends when they stray off the path. You repay your debt no matter how long it takes you. You're a person of character and a person of integrity. You don't need a contract. I'll sign it because you're making me, but my handshake and my word is good enough. I remember those days. Come on. Just, just put it on my tab. Just put it on my tab. How many times have you heard anybody tell you, just put it on my tab? Unless you <laughs> doing something you shouldn't be doing. Character will take you a long way. Listen to me, young people. I'm talking to the young people and the single people in the house. If you want a Boaz, you can't be a bozo. Come on. You can't be a bozo. I just want God to give me a honk of, of a pure love of God. I just want this man of integrity. I want this man of integrity and character. He's not going to lie on me. Not going to cheat on me. I want this. Well, what kind of person are you? Because it starts with you, honey. You can't find something that you aren't. But when you find what you're looking for, it should be exactly a mirror image of who you are. A character attracts character. Nobility attracts nobility. And Boaz goes, I got to show you some favor because, sweetheart, I've heard all about you. Your integrity, your character is impeccable. You have sacrificed beyond sacrifices. Come from a foreign country to speak a language you don't even know and the customs you're not even aware of. All because you love your mother-in-law. Not even looking for a husband. You just love this woman and want to take care of her. Girl, I know your character. I got your back. Sweetheart, I got you. Number eight, how to make a good decision in bad times. You have to commit to intimacy with God. Mm. You have to commit to intimacy with God. So the harvest was kind of coming to a close. And Naomi says, Ruth, I think this is what you should do. The hand of God's on you. I think you need to go down to the place where they're harvesting and bringing all in the harvest. And I think you, you need to go and, and lay at his feet. Lay, lay at Boaz's feet. Do it in the dark. Do it at night. Don't let anybody see you. But once you go take the blanket off of his, because he'll be down there at the, where they're, harvesting the grain, and he'll be down there for the night, and you just go take a little bit of the blanket off of his feet and just lay there. Put your head right there at his feet and lay there. Because what, what she was doing was huge. This was, this was a huge chess move for her. This could go really bad if it didn't go, if God didn't get in the middle of this. What she was saying was, she was saying to Boaz, she was making a, a statement, saying, I, 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 will, I will be willing, Mr. Boaz, to not just be a harvester in your field, but I'm willing to be your wife. I'm willing to take this relationship to a whole nother level. 
If you look with kindness upon me, I, I, I'll reach out and, 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 uh, and, I'll, and I'll be that, that woman that you perhaps would want. He doesn't know any of this is going on. He's sound asleep. All of a sudden, the Bible says he's startled. <laughs> How many wives ever had been sleeping by a man that moves like that? We were on our airplane ride back, and I was sitting next to a guy that was sleeping. But I'm talking, I'm, I, he must have been battling demons in his sleep. I was sitting in the middle chair, and he was flinging his body everywhere. It's asleep, it's asleep. And you go, ah! He wouldn't make the noise. You go, I mean, it's like once a minute. I'm like, dude, I mean, I've like got burns on my arm from all this movement going on. He's, I'm like, wait. So anyway, he's, uh, I'm, I, I want to just like my, lay my hands on him, go in the name of Jesus, come out. <laughs> Whatever this is. <laughs> but anyway, the Bible says that Boaz was startled. He's startled. He looks up and he sees her laying at his feet. And he goes, well, what, what, what are you doing? She says, I'm yours if you want. I'm yours if you want. Can I, can I tell you that God is asking us to make a move towards intimacy? Take me, Lord, here am I. Ruth came into her purpose after she moved towards intimacy. Her life changed after this experience. Ruth came into her purpose as she laid at his feet. Remember Jesus walking down the road and, and he's startled, he too, he's startled. He goes, oh, whoa, someone touched me. What are you talking about, Jesus? No, it was a woman with issue of blood. She, 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 was a, she, she desired the same thing. She, she was moving past the crowds and the applause. She wanted a close relationship with, with the Father. So does God desire a relationship with you? Where are you going to lay your head? Because where you lay your head is so important to your future. If you lay your head at the feet of Jesus and you become a person who puts himself in the posture of worship and love of your God, if you will humble yourselves and you will pray and seek his face, then he will adopt you into his family, he will adopt you into his life. Intimacy is the goal. To live every day, listen to me church, to live every day with this moment by moment awareness that God is with me. Sometimes you, you need to stop before you go into Walmart or Publix. You, before you get out, just, just do this. Just turn your car off, sit there and go, thank you Lord, that you're going with me into Walmart. Because God knows I need it. <laughs> Who knows what's up in there? My Lord. Lord, I'm getting ready to go into Publix. I'm getting ready to go into my work sites. God, I thank you that you are going with me. I thank you, Lord, that you are leading my path forward. Thank you for the conversations I'm going to have. I thank you for the awareness of your presence. See, that's what intimacy is. You're aware of God's presence with you. Come on, you hear me? 
You're where? You're, his presence is, you're, you're, not, you're not praying, oh God, just somehow break out of the heavens and somehow come. No, he has. He's done everything he can. He's inhabiting you. You are a son of God, a child of God. You are in the sonship of the Lord and wherever you go, you take God with you. Come on. We had an opportunity while we were up there to, to spend some, a little bit of time with uh, Senator Tuberville. And so we were, we were able and allowed to go into the Russell um, Hall, which is where the, some of the senators, it's a big long hallway and just every room's full of senators. I was so aware of God's presence with me. We're walking down, we're walking down through that hallway and I'm just in my spirit saying, God, you're right here walking down the halls. I may be JP from Alabama, but you're God from I don't know where you are from. So come on, God. Just let's take a walk down these halls. In the name of Jesus. 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 Lord, help these sinners make right decisions, wise decisions. Let them feel and sense your presence. Everywhere you go, you are taking the presence of God with you. Mm. Touch your heart. Everybody touch your heart. And say this with me, Lord Jesus, help me be aware of your presence. Mm. Touch your neighbor on the shoulder real quick. Touch your neighbor and say, Lord Jesus, help my friends become more aware of your presence in their life. Mm. And here's the deal. Thank you, Father. Boaz goes, it's okay. I'm in. I'm all in. I'm going I'm to take you to be my wife. And here, this woman, a few days ago, she was picking up a little bit of leftovers here, a little leftover here. Now, she's married to the owner of the field. She no longer is an employee of the field. She now is part owner of the field. Come on, somebody. God wants to bring you into a place where you're not just a little insignificant nobody because of your intimacy with the Lord. He's ushered you into a place of ownership that you would have never had had you not come to lay your head at the feet of a living God. He wants you to own the earth. The kingdom of God come, oh God, on the earth as it is in heaven. You are the proprietor of all that God has gifted the earth. Oh my Lord. And so I got to finish number nine and we're done. Remember that your decisions will impact the world. So Ruth marries Boaz. They have a child. Oh, this is good stuff. What do they name Obed? Their son. They name him Obed. You know what Obed means? A son that worships. A son that worships. The Bible would go on and talk about Naomi, how she would take care. Naomi was the, now the, like the mother-in-law, if you would, of little Obed. And the Bible talks about how Naomi would just take care of little Obed. 
And Obed began to learn how to worship the Lord. I believe through Naomi. I believe Naomi was raising that little child and she would just worship and praise the Lord as she's rocking that little baby. Oh, God is good, he's good, he's good. Oh, God is good. She was bitter a few years before. She was angry at God. She didn't understand why things had worked out the way they'd worked out. But now there was a little child. She now had seen, she's on the other side. She'd seen how the hand of God had intervened. And now she's holding this little baby and she's just worshiping. And she's loving the Lord. And this little Obed grows up and he watches grandma. And when she's fixing dinner, and little Obed's standing around playing with his little toys. And she sees Naomi just put her apron down and lift her hands and say, God, I couldn't have written the script better than you did. Thank you, Father, for being such a good God. I love you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. I magnify you, Lord. And little Obed's playing with his toys, watching Grandma Naomi love on the Lord and worship God until Obed grew up to be a man of worship himself. And then guess what? Obed would have a son named Jesse, and Jesse would have a son named David. And guess where David became? David became a worshiper. He became a worshiper of all worshipers. The book of Psalms uh, is a liturgy of nothing but song after song after song that David had written. Perhaps it was Obed that taught uh, David how to play the lyre. Perhaps it was Obed that taught to David how to lift up the song of the Lord, just like his grandmother Naomi did, grandmother Naomi. Perhaps it was Obed that taught David how to come into the presence of God with a song, with hands lifted up. Sometimes you dance, sometimes you kneel, sometimes you laugh, and sometimes you cry, but you lead, lead your head at the feet of Jesus. Oh my gosh, he caught it, David caught it. He caught the worship from his grandpa Obed. Can I tell you this morning that God has not changed. He still longs for worshipers. He still is looking for someone that will commit themselves to intimacy with him. Someone that will rise up and stand and say, God, I love you. I'm just being honest. I don't understand what's going on, but I worship you. I praise you. I glorify you. Intimacy brings you into your purpose. I'm gonna have the worship team come. And they're gonna sing a song. I'm gonna ask you not to leave. I'm going to ask you to sing with us. I'm going to ask you to worship him. I'm going to ask you to love on him. In fact, even as Pastor Kemp last week offered his front area as an altar before the Lord, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing to come and just bring our sacrifices of praise and worship unto the Lord together to come and just lift up our hands and just sing and love on the Lord and worship Him. Recommit ourselves to being a worshiper. I don't know who and what you think you are, but I know what God desires you to be and that's a worshiper. A person of praise, a person who's in love with Him. Can we all stand to our feet? Can we do that this morning? Can we just love on Jesus this morning? 
just worship him and love on him with all of our hearts, all of our minds, all of our soul, all of our strength. Bless you, Lord Jesus, waiting here just for you, Father God. You're mighty, glorious Lord.
know I don't have all the answers I would like to have. And I don't know all the solutions that there needs to be. But I know one thing, that I can lay my head at the feet of Jesus. Because I know that he's put all things under his feet. And in time, he will reveal those to us, reveal them to us. He's calling us to worship. He's calling us to intimacy. How do I make a right decision in a wrong world? I commit to intimacy. He said, draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. So, Father, today we're here, and we say thank you for being a good God to us. And thank you for looking at us in the field when we had nothing. And showing us favor and sparing our life. Thank you that you saw something in us that we didn't even see ourselves. Thank you, you've made a way for us to come into your presence. Thank you that you've called us and said, come. Come unto me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. So we commit ourselves to intimacy. This week we'll make it a point to steal away and spend some time with you and just worshiping you and loving you, singing to you, declaring your greatness. become more aware as we're walking around this earth that you are with us, that you are walking with and in and through us. Thank you for giving us a seat at the table and that which we once were just paupers in the field of, we are now part owners. You've been too good to us, Lord. We don't deserve, but we're thankful. We're so thankful. Perhaps this morning you're here and this Jesus we're talking about is something foreign to you. I would say to you, you can know this Jesus. He wants to know you, but he will not violate his his principle of not coming where he's not invited. So we encourage you to invite him into your heart. We'll have prayer teams up here after service and they'd be glad to pray with you. We'd love to give you a Bible on your way out, give you some things to show you what it means to be a born again Christian. We have communion over here for those that wanna take communion. And I just wanna tell you from the bottom of my heart, I love you. My wife and I are grateful and honored to be a part of your lives. And to be a bunch, be around a bunch of people that are going after Jesus with all their heart. So as we dismiss, I'll let Patrick leave us in prayer. And after he leads us in prayer, I want to ask you to turn to your neighbor and tell him these things. Tell him this. Make sure you commit to intimacy. All right? That's what I want you to tell them.